0: Hello.
1: That's so adorable. Arr, I told you i did
2: it! I got it!
0: I mean, TTRPGs are about fun and about collaboration.
2: The, what this all builds, what this is all building towards, is more empathetic connections between people.
3: There you go. Got there in the end.
2: Welcome to Delightful Dungeon Diving, a coffee slash tea table podcast dedicated to talking TTRPGs and character development and story writing and voice acting and all the fun stuff. I'm going to kick it over to my friend Ibrahim, who's going to bring us our bewitching beverage for this episode. Hello. Today's
1: bewitching beverage is going to be a fine ginger drink. And I'm not saying a ginger beer because it's just a ginger <laughs> drink. Uh, I had, a couple minutes ago, a uh, Prince of Peace uh, ginger crystal beverage. It's very strong, Ooh, nice. it burns very nicely, and it's delightful. And our scene today to go with that bewitching beverage will be called Licensing. I will be playing the part of Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence is Debacle's lawyer. And that's all we're legally required to disclose.
3: <laughs> Hi, uh, I am playing Hoyt. Hoyt is our sword Ire who's been at this game for a long time, traveling the world and making a career out of slaying monsters, recovering treasures, and rescuing towns from sure destruction. However, Hoyt has never encountered a threat as dire as Debocles. And
2: I will be playing Debocles. Debocles runs an adventuring and outfitter shop known as By Whatever Means. Through some not so clever legal maneuvering, Debocles has cornered the market on outsourcing adventuring jobs and selling related equipment to would-be adventurers.
0: I'll be playing Doreen. Doreen is, to all casual viewers, a retired adventurer. But the truth is, Doreen is not Retired, She just has yet to pierce the convoluted legal restrictions Debacles has wrapped around adventuring. And she kind of set up her retirement on the premise of fighting dragons.
2: Hoyt has finally arrived in the secluded valley. This strange town, ringed by monster-filled mountains, has remained oddly isolated from the rest of the world. But Hoyt figures that's a good thing for them. It must be an adventurer's market. When asked where they could find commissions for monster-slaying, the townsfolk sheepishly pointed them to this storefront, by whatever means. Hoyt is about to face the cruelest foe of their life.
3: Hello there. Is this where one can find adventuring commissions?
0: Flee this place, young hero.
3: Whoa. I didn't see you there, ma'am. Are you all right? The floor doesn't seem to be a comfy place for sleeping.
0: It's as good as any place for my old bones. What's the difference? The floor, the belly of a beast, a grave. There's no difference. All hope leads to ruin. All adventures end here.
3: Oh, okay. Is there a reason you're in a full plate of armor? Um, excuse me, Uh, is anyone here? I I believe this lady needs some help. Can we call her family for her, or- Please
1: please pay her no mind. Doreen is here of her own free will and refuses to leave.
3: Good gravy, man. How long have you been standing there?
1: Uh, apologies. I tend to blend in with the woodwork when I am at my post. Pun not intended. Do you own this place, or...? I am Mr. Debacle's legal representation. Oh, please do not touch or assist Doreen, or we will be forced to seek legal recourse.
3: Legal recourse? What are you talking about? There's an old woman, I'm sorry ma'am, elderly woman, on the floor of your shop.
1: Uh, Again, Doreen is here of her own volition and refuses to leave. Uh, However, the issue of liability in this instance is dense, and you could be held responsible for damage.
3: I'm not going to damage her. I'm going to help her. Damage to the shop. What kind of a place is this?
2: Why, hello, adventurer! Welcome to, by whatever means, the sole adventuring and outfitter's authority in the valley. We have many postings available, no shortage of monster bounties to be fulfilled.
3: Uh, yeah, okay... I heard something about an ancient blue dragon up in the... Oh,
2: um, uh, best to stick to generalized terms before we sign any contracts, Uh, correct, Lawrence? That is advisable.
3: Right. So there was talk of an oversized lizard in your mountains that needs slaying? Uh, Slaying is a copyrighted term. Okay. A lizard that needs killing. Ooh, we,
2: we don't want the word killing associated with the brand.
3: What brand?
1: Destroyed would be acceptable, although I might need to check here.
3: Forget the dragon. Uh, Lizard. Whatever. I know there's a myth around these parts of a beholder's lair. How about I go after that? Gotta be full of treasure and weapons from other adventurers.
0: All the adventurers are gone. They've moved on to find other paths, other worlds beyond.
2: Uh, Beyond is copyrighted. Ugh. Now, when you say beholder, surely you mean as in the action to behold
3: a lair? What? No. A beholder. Big floating eyeball with a bunch of other eyeballs attached to that shoot magical rays.
1: That will be quite enough. Uh, Please refrain from using any copyrighted terms before a contract has been signed.
3: Well, what are the copyrighted terms? Is there a list? Oh, sure. Here's a
2: manual of monsters that are protected
3: by our copyright. That book is the size of five books.
2: Uh, Yes, we've been quite thorough. A business must protect itself, after all. Now, if you'd like to adventure in this valley, we'll have to negotiate a contract. And of course, you won't be able to use any of your own equipment, but you can certainly purchase new, compliant equipment here at the shop.
3: You're saying I can't kill monsters here without new equipment sold by you?
1: Uh, Please refrain from using that term. Monsters is also copyrighted.
2: Exactly right! And of course, any treasures recovered will have royalties attached.
3: Oh, I've got to return things to the government?
2: No, no. Royalties to me! The standard contract is a 70-30 split. 30 to you, of course.
3: Alright. This is ridiculous. I'm out of here.
1: I would advise that by entering the shop you did imply agreement to enter into the negotiation process of a new contract.
3: And how did I do
1: that?
2: Oh, uh, the sign on the door. You, you you didn't read it. The little print on the placard warns anyone entering of the blood-packed threshold lining the doorway.
3: Ah, uh, this is making more sense. Doreen here is
2: in the negotiation process. Yes,
3: and you are.
2: Lawrence is a devil, just so.
3: I hate this place.
2: We all do. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh
1: my goodness! Oh, well done. That was saw, a damn Nick. good scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant
3: Bravo. satire. <laughs> yeah. Very, very
2: good.
1: Uh... <laughs> Incredible. All right. And for the, for the the um... record, folks,
0: um, our, our dear Nick here actually writes our scenes for us, and bravo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Incredible. I try.
1: (laughs) Very, very good. Um, I want to play a little uh... double so much now.
2: (laughs) 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 Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh, man. So I'm Nick. I use he, him pronouns, and an odd fact about myself is uh, I once unintentionally got morning drunk with a Australian Consul General to the United States. Um, yeah, my Australian football club was uh, hosting a early watch of a cricket match between Australia and New Zealand, and so we went to our local pub. And we had a bunch of mimosas and breakfast food to order. And by mimosas, I mean really cheap mimosas. And I got to talking with someone that my uh, committee introduced me to. I thought he was like a supporter from the expat group for Australians. Uh, no, he was a pretty big wig in Australian politics. And I got him super drunk on mimosas. That's how you do and uh, it. <laughs> he got me ranting about uh, education and politics. And we are very much politically opposed. So oh. it was a good time. <laughs> oh.
3: Good thing <laughs> you had fine. the mimosas then. Yeah. Uh,
2: You know what? They're not going to listen to this. Uh, That that fellow was uh, Peter McGarren and uh, not Benson Solo, who is an amazing consul general and really cool guy.
1: All right. Okay, so that's that's one listener. We can go ahead and just cross off the list. I, I <laughs> that's like that. Right. I, just... I don't think he needs
2: to be one of ours. Right, right.
1: No, I appreciate that. All we'll right. just we'll call out people by name who cannot and will not listen. <laughs> Hello, uh, my name is Ibrahim. That's the name I call myself. I use he, him pronouns. Uh, an odd fact about me is that... Uh, I never remember to make odd facts. No, um, an odd <laughs> fact about me is that I have lived in four countries. Oh, cool! Oh, wow! Ooh! Wow! Not I. Not like a ridiculous amount, but I have lived in uh, the United States, uh, Germany, Morocco, and Canada. Although I, I don't know if that counts. It's kind of just North United States.
3: <laughs> I mean, Canada. Oh is wow, you're about to just
2: alienate an entire city of Canada. Oh, Canada. Maybe, maybe even
0: an entire country. Right. Uh, let me let me say. Um, <laughs>
2: uh quebec
1: <laughs> is bad and i think that'll mm. endear me to the rest of the canadian public <laughs>
0: Fair. there you go okay yeah. no,
2: we like I got it. We're, we're cutting Reeled off a little beautiful. portion to save the rest
1: beautiful city <laughs> that's awesome. um in any
0: case i'm hannah she her pronouns and i don't think i've used this fun fact yet um i share a birthday with george takei 50 years oh. separate of course um but uh, yes, that is one of my celebrity birthday buddies, I guess you could say. And uh, I, I did make that comment to him when I met him at a convention once and got a photo with him. Nice. Um, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. That's good. <laughs> nice. Um,
3: hello, uh, my name is Emily Graymore and my pronouns are she, her. My fun fact. Um, I think i'm gonna be inspired by ibrahim's uh i'm currently in the process of moving to the us uh, from the uk Woo-hoo! i'm currently in florida Woo-hoo! um and for the first time i'm recording this in daylight with the others instead <laughs> of in the middle of the night which is fantastic um uh, and so far <laughs> it's been two weeks and it's been interesting <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll come get Florida you. Florida okay. is an interesting place.
2: um <laughs> yeah, I, I shall chose... be
3: staying in Florida for long. Do
2: Emily <laughs> blink twice if you need us to come? At, at a at very you.
0: interesting time for that very interesting place. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. hundred Watch a lot of um, Ben Brainerd comedy. <laughs>
3: nice. I will be doing all of it just to like just just engross myself. If I I felt like you know if I could get to used to Florida, I could get used to anywhere. So this is yep. you know Palad trial by fire, point. Honestly. <laughs> um, <but
0: yeah. laughs> All right. And uh, our splendid snack today, uh, I'm going to choose a sandwich cookie, legally distinct from uh, the what you might be familiar with as an Oreo. Uh, this is a sandwich cookie, two chocolate cookies with cream in the middle. Uh, that is actually cream spelled C-R-E-A-M... Is that how it's spelled? Um, Not (laughs) Mm C-R-E-N-E. Because we actually put some, you know, dairy product in this. Uh, So for our uh, legally technical sandwich cookie with cream, Mm. yes, that would be our our snack today, which I think is a good pairing for our topic. It is a very uh, hot topic right now in the TTRPG community. It is... The controversy of the Wizards of the Coast OGL open gaming license. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Who wants to light the fire first? I
3: mean, they, they lit that themselves. Oh, hey. Does
2: anyone think you, you got a good handle on explaining what the OGL is to general listeners?
1: I feel like I might. Go for it. Okay. So, for the purposes of clarity, i think that it would be helpful if we all agreed on terms because this gets Mm -hmm. very confusing very quickly i would posit that we should refer to the ogl 1.0a which is the publishing uh basically the licensing agreement that people have been publishing under since 2012 ish
3: yeah i I think think? mid-2000s wasn't
1: it yeah or maybe uh, i mean since uh since fifth edition came out um I think we can just refer to that as the OGL1 and mm-hmm. the new one as the OGL2 because uh, Wizards has also changed their name and they're, like, branding around it and they are calling it OGL2 now. Um, oh, or perhaps okay. new OGL. Uh, new OGL also... or OGL2, whatever. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's start, uh, God, a couple of months ago when they announced that they were going to be making changes to the open game license and assured people that the changes would be minimal and that they would still be able to use the previous OGL. Um, fast forward to when a leaked document came out uh, from people who had received uh, communications from Wizards uh, regarding the new OGL, this updated document. Um which deauthorized the previous document and would force people to uh, use the new document and publish under that. The reason that this is so important is that the changes included uh, a pretty draconian royalty uh, inclusion um, as well as a uh, offering uh, wizards of the coast, a license to anything that you created under the OGL. Uh, that license would be irrevocable worldwide um, and would not be compensated and would have no royalties so wizards would not on paper own your stuff that you published under the ogl however they would have a free license to use it as they liked uh and that got people up in arms in the community um there has been a lot of like back and forth since then with wizards saying that they did not actually send out uh, a finished document and that it was just a draft. We kind of know it wasn't a draft because Mm -hmm. there were contracts appended to it. You don't append contracts ready to sign with a draft. Um, And, you know, there's been just a lot of backpedaling from them. Uh, But the core of the matter remains that they want to change the existing uh, publishing agreement that people have been able to, you know, produce products under into something that would offer them the ability to revoke the previous agreement and institute their own changes going forward. Um, that's kind of a broad strokes overview. Mm-hmm. I know there's some details that I didn't touch on, but I think that's a solid basis for further uh, conversation.
3: Yeah, yeah. And just so people know, OGL stands for Open Gaming License. Um, I don't know yes. if that was covered. Exactly.
2: Um, um, Emily or Hannah, would, would either one of you mind explaining like how that, the immediate effect of, of what, what publishing things under the OGL actually means? Like what were people doing before?
3: So um, people could, uh, so let me, let me, let me, let me get around this. Um, so basically the the point of an open gaming license is that you could use basically the D&D core rules. um to create uh, your own like subclasses or monsters or you know like different stat blocks and things that you could do for your game you could do a whole new kind of um, world you could do a homebrew you basically homebrew anything using the rules and you could you could publish it as a D&D edition
0: and I think one important point to make mm-hmm. is that there is legal precedent that actually doesn't have to do with games but that cites that game mechanics cannot be copyrighted um, Mm. which is an interesting part of all this however since there is so much lore that is tied up in dungeons and dragons oftentimes people who are creating third-party content that uses the game mechanics will refer back to the original source books Mm -hmm. and will refer back to existing Monster names, spell names, and right. things like that, um, which we sort of poked fun at in our our scene about, you know, the name Beholder. I'm pretty sure is a Wizards of the Coast copyrighted monster name, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. Uh, but please go go ahead. I'm sorry I cut you off.
3: No, uh, third party content exactly. That was the kind of term I was looking for. um It's that you have the freedom to use those things to create new things kind of being inspired by that and using those rule sets and that kind of core rule book. Um, And a lot of people and a lot of creators have made a living um, doing that. They've been able to um, make things for people if they've been commissioned to do that, or they've made whole new sort of um, worlds and, and books that people have, have bought. And this, this has allowed them to kind of, you know, be creative and, and, and make a and make a living from that. But the new, rules are basically saying that uh you can't do this um or if you do you'll be paying wizards of the coast a huge amount of royalties and fees to do so which would just crush all of these um independent creators and all of these businesses because they wouldn't be able to to do that basically um and one of the biggest issues was that it was gross revenue and not profit. So any gross revenue that you would make from using anything under their their copyright or licensing, um, you would have to pay a huge amount of. I think it's like it was twenty five percent. If
0: you make a certain amount, yeah, if you hit which, a certain threshold, for people yeah. who are making a living at this, was a an, it's, reasonable, you to know, assume yeah, you reasonable, would reasonable, that. Right. So right. reasonable to expect that they would make. Yeah. I think it was seven hundred
3: and fifty thousand. Seven hundred and fifty
1: thousand yeah. in gross revenue. Yes, yeah, so that's not even before you pay again, your staff or like business. your artists
3: and things like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um and uh the other thing is and having to declare anything that you make to Wizards of the Coast like they're the IRS. Um and it's mm, just this right. obviously people are very, very upset.
0: <laughs> and I think there was another part of it, um, Correct me if I'm wrong, that especially in the early days of this original OGL, um, what we are on our podcast today calling OGL1, mm-hmm. uh, that even if you didn't even use the Dungeons & Dragons mechanic, if you were creating your own game system and you needed... I don't I don't make my own game, so I don't know the um, lealities behind this, but if you needed a license to print under you could use this open gaming license Mm -hmm. for something that has nothing to do with fifth edition or Dungeons and Dragons or wizards at all, but just used their license to help you create your product. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of uh, systems that originated in that respect uh, have moved away from that in the intervening years anyway, but it still does have some games that operate under that licensing style that would have to now figure out what they're doing as well Mm
2: -hmm. Mm. right and i think to and i and i really don't want to come off as uh disingenuous here at all i think to to really boil it down to the broader public who might who might be trying to get their heads around this it's as if what's been going on for decades is you could write your own fan fiction Mm -hmm. and then if you wanted to you could sell it yeah and you could make a book and you could build out a whole series of books, a whole world and that would spin off of a big famous property because that famous property, while it is a household name, it wasn't, you know, a huge megalith that was making a whole lot of money for all that time. It, you know, this was to, yeah, let's let people do this. And that kind of makes our game bigger and, and it, it will bring did. more That's people the into it. part of the reason why yeah, Finfinition
0: became so popular. I do want to clarify though um in in the and liking it to fan fiction um there were in the original OGL still things that you couldn't make money on like you couldn't right. just tweak curse of Strahd and repurpose it under your right. own third mm-hmm. party content um anything right, right. that was a pre-written adventure you couldn't rehash um, but, again, you were free to use spell names, monster names, directly refer back to the original rules, and things mm. like that.
2: Right, right. And, and it may seem to people that, okay, well, you can't use specific D&D stuff there are some very recognizable monsters like like for instance with dragons in dungeons and dragons uh the way you would describe a a red dragon or a white dragon that's very using frost powers like stuff does start to seep into the more general mm-hmm. ideas that people would have and so there is a little bit of that, you know, Disney coming in and being like, hey, your character kind of looks like Mickey Mouse. Right, have that. Right. There is a little bit of that with all this, too. Because it's been um, so It's not just long. some obscure creature. Yeah. Because yeah.
0: it's been so long that this open gaming license has existed and has allowed people to create homebrew and other third party content around it, there is just, it, it has become synonymous with TTRPG for better or worse. And there are elements of. Dungeons and Dragons, including some copyrighted material that they may not have held so close and so tightly before, Mm. that people don't even know what is copyrighted and what is not. And to disentangle in one's own brain what is specific to Dungeons and Dragons that the community has just taken to be default and what is truly unique and not part of a wizard's property is very difficult to suss out. And I know for myself Ooh. as a content creator on TikTok, that has been one of the most discouraging things, um, you know, for myself, uh, trying to move away from content about Dungeons & Dragons, mm-hmm. uh, whether uh, it's not necessarily, it's not clear, but it's it's likely that this OGL situation is not going to necessarily create, uh, it's likely that this OGL situation is not going to impact people like me making content about ttrpgs right
3: yeah but mm-hmm.
0: there are a lot of us who because we are so frustrated with what's happening we are trying to steer away from making content about this company that we're kind of not happy with right. um and and as i'm trying to work in that direction i don't know where D D ends and general ttrpg begin and general ttrpg begins and i think mm-hmm. that's where a lot of us are struggling i know
1: yeah it's 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 a very difficult situation and you know to like just to speak to my experience i have a lot of really good friends that are in the uh, game creators or that are in the publishing business and that create supplements for uh you know, for D and D, fifth mm-hmm. edition specifically.
0: Maybe um, good supplements too. <laughs>
1: yeah. VJ right. Harris, shout out. Uh I, I really love an uh, an elf and an orc had a baby. And mm-hmm. I, I think like it's it's that the the fact of the matter is, and what I've been likening this to is this was for a long time, the OGL one it, it's like you said, Hannah, it was a way to expand their sort of reach in the space. And it was mm-hmm. a way for uh you know, Wizards of the Coast to benefit from their fans' creativity in making uh content for their game that was compatible with their game, and content that you know Wizards of the Coast would never make and has no incentive to make because Wizards of the Coast has a really high overhead. They have a lot of writers. They have a building that they pay for. They have uh, artists that they pay for. That they're paying industry rates. the The overhead that they have means that they cannot make things that are as niche as an elf and an orc had a baby Uh, for people who you know are of mixed heritage who are you know racially mixed or who want expansions to uh Mm -hmm. what races or heritages mean um that is something that it would not really benefit them to do but a fan could do it and a fan could sell it and this is affecting their ability to do that um it's sort of like when uber you know when uber came out it was like oh this is a great affordable thing and then everyone got on using it and some people became dependent on it to get places around their cities and then the prices started to go up and that it was no longer mm-hmm. an option and this feels like that it's that it's the company that was like focused on expansion mm-hmm. and just getting as much reach as they could deciding oh okay now that we have a huge audience base we have a huge like amount of users Now let's make a profit.
0: And one of the things that's been so great about D&D because of that whole culture surrounding it was it became more inclusive because Mm -hmm. if you didn't quite see yourself in the existing content, you were free to work with your friends and create something that spoke to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one name that we haven't brought up yet that I think is very relevant to the discussion, though, of course, is Hasbro, the parent company of wizards. Um, And I also want to make a quick disclaimer. None of us are lawyers and uh, (laughs) we are doing our best to be familiar with what's going on. But there's a lot of gossip out there and there's a lot of various interpretations of what's going on. Um, So I just want to put that disclaimer out there. But in terms of Hasbro, my understanding of the situation is uh, Hasbro, as an overarching company, Parts of the company, I guess, might be struggling or might not be making the money that they think they should. And Wizards is one part of the company that is very uh, that's doing very well, relatively speaking. And some investors, I guess, found out about all this third party content that is being created. And they Mm -hmm. believe that is money being left on the table. And so Hasbro has now said to Wizards, you need to get back some of that revenue. And that's the belief slash understanding that a lot of us, I believe, have of why this is happening. Um, and it just seems like they're going about it in a very inappropriate manner.
3: I agree. Um, I think uh, my, my point of view on that is um, a little bit of the opposite. Because, I mean, uh, the, the so obviously, as, um, as we've said, these third-party creators have been able to create things that are for um, all kinds of diversities and uh, communities and um, they, can, they can create things that are meaningful to them and meaningful to that kind of corner of the community. Um, and one of the things that Hasbro slash Wizards has said is one of the reasons why we're doing this new OGL is so we can basically monitor any kind of like racist or troublesome mm-hmm. content. Which is laughable exactly when they're Uh the ones who are creating the most racist content um the, the 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 thing is with third parties before you can even publish anything it has to go through editors and publishing houses and it gets screened and there's no like publishing house that would touch it if it was screaming racism um you just wouldn't be able to get it published and then getting it sold um, and the fact that Wizards can just shove stuff out without that safety net, <laughs> it's like, it's actually worse. Yeah. Um, and I think, honestly, with the Hadozi incident, Wizards was struggling. Like, I think their stocks plummeted a little bit. And so the stockholders and the shareholders were like, hey... There's all this third-party content stuff. We're gonna to have to start making our money back. So, like you said, Hannah, it's like they they can see all this money that could be potentially out there, and they're like, we need to start recouping because we we took a loss, right? Um, and we're starting uh-huh. to sink. Yeah, people are go they're jumping ship to other TTRPGs because they're right. losing faith in in wizards. Um, and this was just the nail in the coffin. Like this was like this was it. This was the worst thing they could have done, and now. They've triggered a TTRPG renaissance.
0: Right. And I mean, <laughs> people right. were, there were a handful of people who were hard stop walking away after Spelljammer and the Hadozy mm-hmm. incident. Okay. Um, but what I've noticed from some of the actual criticisms of some of those hardliners within the TTRPG community is they're frustrated that there are a lot of people who didn't walk away after right. that. And there I've noticed, um, good, bad or indifferent, there is a shift in this situation where there's a lot more people who yeah. are walking away. 100%. And right. there yeah. was an organized boycott of D and D beyond yeah Uh, which was recently acquired by Mm -hmm. wizards not just licensing their stuff but actually owned by wizards yeah and to and that's actually part of what has caused them to roll back some of their plans and maybe they've, they've realized the fans are not happy yeah um but what they're doing very much seems to be too little too late for a lot of people yeah um and, you know, there's there's a lot of us that just don't have the confidence in wizards to uh, really support them anymore.
2: Right. And uh, be, before we jump on that, there was uh, Emily, you had made a point, And I want to make a little pocket here that's not necessarily playing devil's advocate, mm-hmm. but to, to, to remind people that we are talking about one very specific thing a specific hobby and a specific company and a specific thing that they are doing. But the concept that Emily brought up is extremely important because it has affected this hobby before. Mm -hmm. It is true that Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, and it very much reeks of just these business executives who go from company to company and are completely out of touch are making these decisions and therefore unsavory people get hired into Mm -hmm, positions mm -hmm. of power and we get things like the Hadozi and other very problematic content, uh, just straight up racist content. But that impetus by, uh, that, that instinct by a company to, yes, we have a very recognizable brand. I know that especially our generation, we assume bad faith in every company because, well, we've been trained to like, we should, um, in general, we should, but look at, look at Disney, for example, like huge mega corporation, right? Right. They are famously, famously concrete on, we will hunt you down Mm -hmm. if you produce an image of Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. Because there was a time where, yeah, there are watches out there with Mickey Mouse dressed as a Nazi. Yeah. And sure enough, people can very easily take incredibly recognized characters, uh, Velma, anyone, and produce something that is extremely harmful and does actual harm to people. In the TTRPG sphere, we have this. Uh, I don't want to misspeak on which one, but it's one of Gary Gygax's sons. Yes, Gary Gygax being one of the founders of D &D. anD D, and one of his sons is a piece of shit and produced his own TTRPGs based off of what we're talking on. Yes, and it was incredibly bad. It was toxic. There was rape, racism, Mm. all sorts of things in that. So I just want to point out that the, the instinct of a company, a company is not automatically evil because they are a company. Right, no. The instinct to protect a popular uh, IP, I guess, isn't necessarily inherently evil, but everything we've said is absolutely true. It's the height of hypocrisy yes. for a Wizards of the Coast to want to do that when not addressing their themselves being the ones producing it. But there is, a, there is a reason behind that mentality. It's just that in this case, it doesn't really flow. Yeah, even
0: in the parts of the new OGL that you can see where it's cha- tangentially related to a legitimate concern, like the, oh, we just don't want ma- – we want to make sure no one can make horrible content. Or there are some interpretations of the bit of, you know, we can use anything without your permission. We can use your IP. Some say that's because, you know, they want to. There, there was a controversy within the TTRPG TikTok scene a while back of someone claimed that a big company had stolen their IP. You might remember Opal they Gate. They shall not be named. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, she will not be named in the TTRPG community. Yeah. Um, and and there is some reading of that portion that you can see an intention to, well, we don't want to come up with something independently and then have someone say, but I came up with that first, you owe me money. And while that is legitimate, the writing of it was such that it could very easily be abused by wizards.
2: Yeah. And, and on that, uh, I remember it's not so popular now, but cracked.com was a really popular uh, comedy and article site Uh last 10 years and i remember listening to one of them on their podcast explaining we love our our threads and forms that we've opened but you have to understand that the minute any one of you gives us a premise for a skit or a joke we immediately have to contact the lawyers yeah. every single time mm-hmm. and it was so that they because you know laws like this generally are meant to support people on the good faith side of things but you know, yeah. with that comes a whole tangled knot of crap. So, yeah, I can I can kind of see that it would be a legitimate concern, just not implemented right. at all well <laughs> and in a way that harmed a lot of yeah. people. Yeah, it's it's a situation where we
1: have to sort of – or this is my opinion on this. I think that it's very reasonable to assume worst intent from a corporation who has shown you that – repeatedly they do not have your best interest at heart Mm -hmm. but i don't think it is a malicious thing it is a thing of the company exists to serve the interest of the company it exists to serve Mm -hmm. the interest of the shareholders so Mm -hmm. if a thing is going to benefit the shareholders they will do that thing if a thing is going to help the company they'll do that thing Mm -hmm. and in this case you know what they're doing is access, trying to tap into this huge third party space and sort of say that they never intended for this space to exist in the first place. Um, Although Mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is they did the people who drafted the original OGL, the OGL one have repeatedly said that this was the intent. This is working as intended and we don't think this should be revoked. Um, And, you know, honestly, this is just really, um, it's led to a lot of uncertainty with third-party mm-hmm. publishers. There's uh, projects like Undying Corruption, which I believe we've talked about on the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Korean uh, folklore-inspired story uh, uh, supplement, yeah. um, huge project. You know, uh, nearly a hundred thousand dollars raised on Kickstarter, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, really, this massively impressive project. Who uh, they are not out yet. They have not published the the final product yet. And there is now this uncertainty over whether or not they will be able to publish that final product or what might change in the next couple of months. And there's, right. you know, yeah. all these huge projects because th- there's not, this isn't a quick turnaround on publishing yeah. uh, a, a several hundred page supplement or adventure. This is a thing that it, it can be, you know, take, co- uh, excuse me, this is a thing that can take place over years. Mm. And now there's people who are, in the middle of all of these creative endeavors that have no idea what the landscape is going to look like next year or in
3: 18 months this is why now um yeah. so MCDM and Kobold Press which are the two big ones that I know about who did do a lot of third party content for for D&D 5e are now making their own system mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. they've both decided we are just going to leave d completely and we're going to make our own D20 system um, and make their yeah. own content for that. And I think like I said before, you know, this has inadvertently caused people to now look to other TTRPGs and what D&D wanted to do, which was control the market has just backfired. And now... Yeah, you know, everyone's gonna be like. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try something else. Uh, I'm gonna have a look at something else. And <laughs> people are now thinking of creating their own things. And mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like I say, it's gonna spark a new renaissance in TTRPGs. And I'm kind of excited for it. Honestly, very um, it'll be nice yeah. to see uh, what comes of this. Um, I'd be now very
2: to, to to continue being Mr. Poopy Pants here. <laughs> this is kind of this just touches on a small thing of what I was trying to explain. I was afraid of. There will be an explosion of ttrpgs everyone is making new games yeah. i was even having fun looking at a dice system for a setting uh but please if you are exploring new ttrpgs which you absolutely should even before this it's fun yeah, to try 100%. out new systems and games and we, we have an episode about that uh please in the coming months be extremely discerning about what you pick up and what you play through because it's very reflect TTRPGs are very reflective of the real world mm-hmm. in many ways, and we know what there's been a resurgence of. So yeah, you might find yourself playing a brand new TTRPG that is not, you know, vetted by an army of play testers mm-hmm. and an army of actual professional trained editors. And three months into a campaign, you find out oh, it was Nazis all along. Right. Cool. He, he... So please, <laughs> uh, that, that is one. There is one yeah, benefit honestly, to having yeah. actual professionals who do this, uh, but. That being said, I am also very much on the side of excited for all the independent creators Mm -hmm. who will be creating their new games Uh, because there are more of us good people than there are the others.
0: Pro
1: tip, pro (laughs) tip, just a little thing that I like to do because I read a lot of systems, particularly old systems. I Mm -hmm. I probably read at least a system a week. Um, Open the PDF, Control-F, and then you're going to type S-L-A-V-E. And then you will just see how many hits you get. And then make a judgment from there. Just yeah, that's a
0: really good (laughs) tip.
1: That's that's a great
2: idea.
0: (laughs) And uh, to to the idea of um, you know the wider TTRPG community uh, welcoming in people who may have started with D and D and want to expand their horizons. Now, Mm -hmm. um, I I do have a a request of etiquette for the community. and that is, there's going to be a lot of people critiquing Wizards and critiquing D&D and discussing the new games that they are trying uh, and what is working for them and what is not working for them. And my request is, unless someone specifically says, what do you think I should play, please really consider whether that is the right time and place to say, you should play such and such. Mm. Um, and right. there is a specific community I am thinking of though that is not unique to them, uh, that anytime criticism of another system comes up, or frustration with what's going on with D and D, and they always say, without preamble, you should play you should this play
1: pathfinder
0: yeah no i was i wasn't gonna yeah. say it but yeah and it's a very valid offer and i know it comes from a place of excitement and love of your favorite system um there are plenty of people asking hey what should i play or can you teach me how to play xyz uh Look for those requests and don't necessarily bring unsolicited suggestions of new games to play because those of us who are actively looking for new systems to play are getting very inundated. Um, and I'm trying to keep my places where I'm you know, looking for new ideas in a specific place. And if I'm making a criticism about what's going on with OGL or D&D or whatnot, I don't want the conversation to be sidetracked of, you know, hey, have you heard of this game? It's like, yes, every fifth person on the internet plays it and already talked to me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'll get off my soapbox now. But. <laughs>
2: well, then I'm going to hop right back on yeah. mine for a sec. <laughs> I promise. This is my last rant. Um, I promise everyone, please don't come for me. I am on the side of Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast can suck it. it this, is, this was a huge misstep and it is actually harming people. However, I really, really want to tell people, especially in our what is actually a tiny little ecosphere of our hobby, it seems really big a lot of times because we're expanding through TikTok, Instagram, all the social medias. It is still a niche hobby. And the vast majority of people just know it as Dungeons and Dragons, like they know crayons. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because it's becoming more and more accepted to play TTRPGs and more and more people want to do it. But what we have seen with these little, uh, the, these things that come up that we have reactions to, you know, when Hodozi came up, we had a very justifiable reaction to that. And it was c- not corrected perfectly, but there was action because of the reaction from the fan base. In the community. But this felt a little different. This felt a lot like when AI art had its moment. And immediately, while everyone is slowly discovering this tool that seems to do kind of a cool thing and learning for themselves what the controversies were, we suddenly had a huge crowd of people screaming that you are a horrible person for using this and that you, you personally were harming artists by using this tool. With, and that was in the span of three days. When this hit, when this controversy with OGL, everyone who'd been waiting in the wings, sharpening their knives, were ready to demonize anyone who was playing Dungeons of Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and continuing to play. Saw a creator uh, post a little bit of a conspiracy theory, kind of tongue in cheek, but about why Wizards of the Coast may not care about people our age, losing fans like us. Mm-hmm. Because a few years back, they put together these packages where you can start a D&D club in school. And that's a good thing. It was meant to help people start D&D clubs. The conspiracy theory going, well, maybe they're raising up a whole new generation of consumers and they don't need us anymore. Oh, d and will silly. be the default. Oh, I didn't see that. Now, that, that's, a, that's a goofy theory, right? I knew that this would happen. And sure enough, before nightfall that same day, I got a comment about why am I teaching kids to play D and D fuck you to the ends of the earth. If that is what you take from this whole situation. Yeah. Mm. And I I think
0: it's very relevant to bring up, um, this is a nuanced situation and whether we like it or not, historically D and D has been the big game, the most recognizable. And there are people who have made their careers around this And it's not a light switch to be able to turn off that career and pivot. I have Uh friends who are professional DMs that they, you know, the most lucrative place for them is to offer their GMing skills to people who want to play D&D. And D&D isn't even their favorite game. They don't really care for it at all. They're very critical of Wizards and D&D. But they Mm -hmm. are small business owners, basically. And that is where they have found a way to make money. And they do not – They, I know these people are struggling emotionally right now in both fear for the future, dealing with the moral issues of it. And we don't need to be piling on people yeah. who have made a job out of something that is connected to D&D. Because I promise you, they are aware of the situation, and they are trying to do their best to navigate it. And just because they can't turn off like a light switch, their connection to D&D does not mean they are a morally bad person.
3: Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is nothing wrong with D&D, the actual game, um, it's, it, it's got a lot of... There's been so many years of like of things and creatures and places and and you know uh, it's just why wouldn't you want to immerse yourself in in a very rich world like that and it's you know there there are pros and cons with the actual kind of like mechanics and the systems but it's it's a game at the end of the day if you want to play a home game it's D D like do it no one's going to stop you and I don't think you should ever be a person who says how dare you play D&D anymore because of all these things it's like it it, it's like um finding out like like, Hasbro are the bad guys right ultimately Mm -hmm. um I mean Wizards of the Coast they've done things that you know
0: (laughs) I won't criticize anyone for saying Wizards of the Coast are the bad guys right uh
3: but Hasbro do a ton of other games are you going to stop playing like uh, I'm kind of trying to think what else they do. Um, like uh, Monopoly, Transformers. Transformers you gonna stop Battleship, playing with Transformers, right? Is that, is that right? Hasbro, yeah. Yeah. Um, Battleships.
2: <laughs> oh man, we're gonna get sued. Um, yeah. Oh, so yeah, all, all these games, these Lawrence, names. Lawrence. All
3: right, cut out all those brand names. Um, yeah. So bleep and bleep. Are you gonna <laughs> stop playing all of the other things that Hasbro has produced? Are you gonna stop, you know, buying the toys that Hasbro has produced. Um, you know, it's live and let live. Right. I think if you can support smaller com- like uh, creators and uh, communities, then do so with the AI art, especially as well. You know, if you have the ability and the time and you can support these people, then please do. If you want to explore other games, then please do. But don't hate on people who just still want to play D&D. Not yeah, I, I really want to yeah. see
0: us have as constructive a path forward as possible, um, you know. There is definitely room for, and I encourage people to be involved in strategic so so long as they are able to strategic boycotts of d and d beyond for example uh or petitions or calling wizards of the coast. there are mm-hmm. resources for all of that out there to lodge legitimate criticisms against wizards for what they are doing yeah um, and I love you know like I said, you know there's time and place, but I love the encouragement to other people to play different games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have a game that you play and you're a content creator on the internet, make a video about what your favorite game is and this is why I play it and this is why I think other people should try it out. Um, how can we be positive about this? In You know, try to f- correct the problem, try to encourage wizards to correct the problem without belittling the people who maybe aren't as far along in their journey as some of us are Um, or who for their own reasons that they honestly don't owe you might still be in one way, shape or form using Dungeons and Dragons as their game of choice, whether Mm. behind closed doors or otherwise. Um, I think that there are a lot more constructive ways to be spending our time on trying to work through this situation.
2: Uh And what you said, it's so, the situation is so very nuanced. And I think what really bit me about this was weaponized outrage can be used to great effect. Yeah. You know, in this case, the idea of, Hey, let's hit them where it hurts. If you can cancel your D and D beyond subscription, Mm -hmm. do it. And it worked, but sure enough. And I've learned this, I've learned this over the last 10 years, there's always collateral damage. And sure enough, see a video from someone pointing out hey, uh, I know that there are a lot of tools like DD Beyond, but they they don't always work. They're not always reliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not always made uh, solid away from things like spyware. Mm-hmm. And DD Beyond had a lot of accessibility yes. for us people who needed that accessibility, mm-hmm. who have. Trouble with the numbers, who had high visual ability uh, being used in D&D Beyond. And I thought, yeah, of course, there's a whole corner of people who just felt attacked personally and who needed that. Right. Not to mention, think about small hobby stores where, sure, they're going to hold a lot of other TTRBGs and a lot of other tabletop games. But fiction-wise, Wizards of the Coast fiction based in D&D lore is huge. Mm. It's what I was surrounded by mm. for most of my childhood the dritz doerden books by r.a salvatore those wrote most of the lore for dungeons and dragons and most of the readers of those books don't play dungeons and dragons yeah so imagine the hobby stores where suddenly there's something you had no idea was happening and there's a huge movement to boycott half the crap in your store right. there's always collateral damage but hannah I, I, it's a good point i think if any if any community could make these constructive steps forward, it would be us. Yeah, I mean... Just got to keep that in mind. To
0: your point, there is absolute value toward weaponized outrage, but let's make sure that we have the correct target in mind and (laughs) that we are aware of that collateral damage and that with the people on the periphery who aren't our target, we are patient and generous with them. And remember that Wizards is the BBEG here. Yeah,
3: <laughs> right. not
0: any fans who happen to, st- you know, still be playing in whatever way, shape, or form. I
1: yeah. think I agree. If I were to, like, sort of, like, give my thi- final thoughts on where I'm at with this, I think just in general, yeah. it's important to keep everything in mind that we've said here, um, but I also just want to, like, tell people that it's okay for you to be angry about this. It's okay for you to feel hurt by Absolutely. this. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you to, like, you know want to move into different spaces and try different things. And all of that is good. Um, and I think the, the important thing to remember is that as you know, as Hannah and Nick have said, other some people can't, some people are running, uh, you know, uh, start playing games game. They're, you know, they're running paid games as their primary source of income. Um, it's going to take time for them to learn new systems for them to familiarize themselves with new tools. But, I think a more diverse space is fundamentally better and more resilient mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. in that it will prevent this from happening to quite this uh, extent again. Um, yeah. If more people are but, familiar yeah. with more systems, if more people you know, have uh, more digital tools out, uh, for example, CompCon, I don't know if you've played Lancer, but... The CompCon application for Lancer is a web-based application that I bl- I believe has no official relation to Lancer the game, but it is a beautifully put together tool for that game. It has like your uh, your pilot roster, your mech roster. It's got uh, content packs that you can import and export. Um, the more digital tools that we have like that, like D and D Beyond, uh. uh the better it is because the more accessible the hobby is the more just the more accessible it is it is its own end yeah Yeah. there's no there's no second part to that make it more accessible and it will be more accessible
0: yeah yeah i know for myself you know i'm trying to take this in stride and as much as possible lead by example you know Take my moment to acknowledge my feelings about the situation, my take on the situation, and then try to only talk about it when it's relevant and try to just talk about other stuff. Um, I'm really trying not to spend time criticizing other people for their reactions. And just if I'm going to try a new game, I'm going to talk with enthusiasm about that new game and just not bother mentioning Mm -hmm. Uh D&D.
3: I suppose for me, my final kind of um, takeaway is I see it a lot like, um, I mean, at the moment, there are a lot of strikes going on around the world um, because people are upset about how they're being treated in various ways, uh, whether that's being Mm -hmm. how they're being paid or just workplace conditions, whatever. Um, This kind of feels like that to me. Uh, The community is sick of how they're being treated um, and have kind of gone on strike with Wizards of the Coast. And for me, uh, I've never been um, as big a fan of D and D as some other people in this community. It's a, you know, um, I hold it in the same regard as other other games. I, it does not sit on a pedestal for me. Um, so for me to see these people striking against them, it's like I want to support them. You know, the best way to do that, you can send in, like Hannah said earlier, there's resources, you can send in letters, you can send in your complaints, um, you can do what you want to be able to support those strikers and support the the community that the Hasbro or Wizards of the Coast have hurt. Um, and equally, if those people who are striking shouldn't get upset at those who, who are just kind of want to stay out of it, right? They're just you do your thing. I'm not trying to stop you from doing it. I'm just not going to be a part of it. Thank you very much. Um, and that's fine. I think just, they just, yeah, I support them. I think wizards have overstepped and they've done some stupid stuff and the, the there's going to be more who knows what the new changes are. There's another draft now that only came out about a day or so ago and they backpedaled on a load of things. Um, Let's see if that sticks and what the new thing will finally be. If it comes out and is finalized, Um, we might have another conversation about this in a couple of weeks time. Who knows? But um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I I just think it's uh, leveling the playing field, I suppose for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it's doing for me.
2: um i will uh i will give up my final thoughts to just give us a fun comprehensive list (gasps) so that we do know that in this instance uh hasbro is who we should all be throwing molotovs at. and uh would you would y'all like to hear a uh a list of games produced by hasbro
3: yes (laughs) go for it
2: you're gonna be surprised by a few of these sorry monopoly life operation battleship Beyblades, blades bop it risk candyland jenga trivial pursuit okay magic the gathering that and dungeons it. and dragons and whether it. you think that yep. that those are the biggest kind of uh out of mainstream games mm-hmm. no hasbro is one of those companies where independent game makers were very very happy to yes we made the hasbro money scythe uh, house, uh, betrayal at house on the hill or house on haunted hill. Um, those games, all those kinds of games, it's kind of a Budweiser situation, mm-hmm. right? Hasbro it's a owns so yes, mm. we can be mad at
3: them. Yes. Yeah, uh, that was another thing I'd heard people getting, um, you know, stopping to buy MTG cards as well. Um, yes, in outrage. So, there yeah. might
1: also be other reasons for that. Yeah. Yeah. MTG yeah, is in a break. very yeah. weird space right now. There's so mm-hmm. many cards. We don't have to get to that. that capitalism <laughs> is
2: always <laughs> the enemy. <But> yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's always the bad guy. Well, <laughs> if
0: we are ready to close out this discussion uh, mm-hmm. i had an idea of, of how to do that Ooh. what is the non dnd ttrpg that is new to you that you are most uh most looking forward to trying out in the near future
2: all right this is uh a little bit of an eye roll but while I've seen a whole list of a bunch that I really want to try out, um, honestly, I had a r- lot of fun trying to make my own system, Ooh, and I've been yeah. doing that for a few days. I have my own world now that sprung out of a novel I'm still editing. But I thought, oh, I'm going to see how I could translate the way the magic system works in this world into dice. Yeah. And also... To me, the heart of TTRPGs. One of the hearts is is getting to roll dice, so it's kind of fun. And now that there are digital dice rollers, the amount of dice needed in a game doesn't really need to be an issue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, exploding dice is a really fun concept. Oh yeah. yes,
3: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's good. I I happily play test uh, when it yes. <laughs> when it's ready. That sounds great.
1: Mm. Um, I've got a pick. Go on, Orbital Blues. Uh Ooh, Orbital Blues okay. is a space western RPG. It's mm. very heavy on the cowboy bebop space cowboy oh, vibes. That sounds great. Um if you see the book for this game, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um there's just so much cool art in it. It's very stylish. You've got a pretty simple uh system with I think like three core stats and then two special stats.
3: What did you say it was called, sorry?
1: Orbital Blues. Orbital Blues. Sweet. It is okay. so cool. Like, the book will, like, have frequent... It's a very art-heavy book. It will have frequent mm. breaks where it will have, like, on these two pages, we just have a bunch of, like, band posters and, like, mm-hmm. things that really, like, help set the scene. Um, nice. And, like, the core of the game is just, like, uh, you're a sad space cowboy and you're constantly broke and, you know, you have all of this baggage that you're dealing with on your mission. Um and it's just it's so stylish, incredibly stylish. They also put out a an album accompanying the game.
3: That's awesome. Have to do a this is this exactly sometime. the kind of game I think Patrick will absolutely drool over as well. He's been yeah. oh, he's yeah. been itching to do like a sci-fi thing that's got that kind of motel kind of vibes. <laughs> Yeah. And nice. I just looked at the cover and went, oh my God. Oh my god. <laughs> right. It's oh my god. It's so stylish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous. That was really, oh, really, really good. Goodness gracious. Uh for me. Um I, I've played a few other ones already, but I uh the one I wanted to try, um I really wanted to try uh Kids on Bikes. Oh, yes been mentioned to me so many times and I mm-hmm. really wanna want to get into that and also blades in the dark um I've for some good oceans 11 on. fun um hmm. so yeah the i think kids on bikes um i still haven't like delved into exactly what the kind of mechanics of it are but it's very that that kind of stranger things dynamic which i really hmm. uh literally kids on bikes um which is going to be very fun so yeah <laughs> nice. I think i'd love to do that that's my next one
0: the mm-hmm. one that i feel keeps most calling to me and I don't know if it's technically qualifies as a TTRPG, though. There is a lot of creativity involved in it. Uh, is the Quiet Year? Yeah, um, I think it does. The, I've quiet heard year. very okay. good things, and about I've, I've quiet, heard yeah. very good things. I'm I'm still not entirely. I I I am not ready to speak on exactly how it runs and what it is. Um, but it's something that I've heard of a couple of times. I've heard of some people. Refer- the first time I heard of it was in a suggestion of if you're creating a homebrew world, this can help you, you know if you play this game through at the end of it, you will have some great ideas for a homebrew to bring into other TTRPGs. Um, it's uh, you play the year following sort of an a, an apocalyptic event, I think, or something like that. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And how does society rebound from that? And you sort of create or recreate a society based on that. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it's can about the apocalyptic lines. event,
3: but I know you're building a community. Yeah. Um, I don't know the beginning of it.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, cool. And it just, it keeps calling to me. And I, I almost bought it at a convention this past weekend, but I was not prepared to spend I, it, the amount of money that it costs, um, which is not a whole lot, but, Every many new TTRPGs, not all of them, but some of them do have a little bit of a startup cost to them. I mean, when you've already got
3: a hand like arms full of
0: TTRPGs, and you (laughs) guys, I don't quite have enough money for that. For that fifth one, (laughs) um, so uh, that's fair, but but yeah, I definitely want to give that one a try among many many others. Mm -hmm.
2: All right, well, um, thank you everyone for hanging in there with us on uh. It's been a bit bit of a a rough couple weeks in the community. So we appreciate you going on a deep dive into this topic with us. I'm uh, Nick Plaisance. You can find me on the Delightful Dungeon Diving TikTok. We also now have a Delightful Dungeon Diving Instagram, a YouTube, and uh, we also have a Discord. You can find a link for that on our TikTok or our Instagram. So please come join us. Uh, We're trying to build a Really welcoming and inclusive community of people who love tabletop role playing games and fantasy and story writing and create yeah everything. So come join us on Discord.
0: Uh, I'm Hannah Burnett. Uh, you can find me on TikTok talking about TTRPGs and sewing at Critical Underscore Stitch. Um, and to take it into left field just a little bit, uh, if you're in the Boston area and you like fun theatrical experiences. Um, I have a new job that's going to be running until the end of March. Uh, the Beauty and the Beast cocktail experience, legally distinct from the Disney property, um, but uh, it's a fun pseudo escape room cocktail experience where you get to watch me and or my cast members talk with fun little fake French accents, and um, serve you cocktails. Uh, And you can find tickets for that at explorehidden.com or bucketlisters.com. And that is being held at the, uh, the restaurant The Merchant in Boston, Massachusetts.
1: Hi, it's Ibrahim. You can find me on every place on the internet that matters at cosmic underscore Eve. I'm currently uh, playing through Persona 3 Portable on my Twitch, which is, you know, fun little game. I'm going to try not to grind too hard. I have a tendency to overdo it, but uh, we'll see if I can still have the game be a challenge. Probably not. I'm probably going to grind. I've already grinded. I I ground for like seven hours last night. Um so i failed instantly uh but you can also catch uh, uh prayers static which will be returning shortly um by the time you hear this we are probably just about to start back up um so
3: yeah uh thank you for listening and my name is emily Graymore. and if you want to hear more from me you can find me at Graymore. On TikTok, and that's Graymore with an E on the end, uh, just to keep things easy. And you'll be able to see my other podcast there, which is Unbalanced Encounters, and um, it's all in my link tree on my TikTok. Bye, bye. 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 See you, space cowboys, (laughs) Lawrence. I'm fucking up for everyone here so no one else has to.